June 17, 2020. It's a Watt for Pedro show.
for Pedro Show. Happy Wednesday. Brother Matt, Love Grotto, three miles south of me, so we're still in Quentin Quartino mode. And uh, but I'm not man alone because uh, those Estonian software engineers with their Skype invention. Is it is it Lasiak? Lakanak. Lakanak, okay. I'm glad I there asked. There you go. I'm glad I asked. People, it's Chris Lakanak yeah. <laughs> in New Orleans. Great drummer man with his Junko beat. I want to thank Howard Wolfen for making the connect. And we started the show off with my shining hour, John Coltrane, and then Junko beat with Afterburn. Uh, Chris, can I ask you your earliest musical recollection? Oh, geez. Um, that would be uh, playing a little Magnavox plastic organ, you know, with the black and white push button chords on the left with the tiny keys when I was probably about three. And where was this? Uh, at home in New Orleans. We had one of those. That was our only uh, musical instrument in the house. But I really gravitated towards it. And then, you know, became pots and pans. So and was- uh, once I experienced the Mardi Gras parade with the drum sections, uh, that really launched my interest. To all the way to when I first saw my first band when we were on a camping trip with the family. I was probably about 10 and uh, that was it, man. I had to have some drums. So when you were playing that, that organ, beginning. when you were playing that organ, um, uh-huh. were you playing a percussive? Uh, well, no, not really. I was learning. I re- recall learning the um, the the Marine uh, battle hymn for my dad because uh, he was a World War II vet, and uh, I guess that's my earliest recollection of of. Uh, what I was doing, you know, but yeah, I've always had rhythms in my head and that's the, you know what that's like. It's never ending. Sure. Sure. It's kind of a, an affliction. <laughs> yeah. My blessing or a curse. I asked you about that percussive thing. Cause have you ever heard Daniel Johnson's old uh, recordings? I'm sorry, Daniel Johnson. Johnston, yeah, no. he's a Texas guy. He passed no. away a little while ago, but he, uh, I, I covered one of his songs called "Walking the Cow," and this guy would play the organ like, bit, 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 bit. I mean, you could hear him banging on the keys louder than the sound of the organ. <laughs> <laughs> so that's why I yeah. asked that. What, what was the first oh, record you yeah. bought, uh, Chris? What was the first record you bought for yourself? Oh man, that would have been Grand Funk Railroad, the Red Album. Everybody in Pedro had that. <laughs> when I was, that was in, a great yeah, record. when I was in high school, I mean, I think it was the second album because the first uh, one, yeah, I think they they shortened their name for that one. But like everybody had that red record. I remember, oh man, what yeah, a trip. And and uh, so, what about the school I got, you went I to? Got, what about I got the, to see him when I was about twelve. We had the warehouse down here, which on all ages concert venue. So that was pretty exciting. Yeah, there's a, uh, I think half of a ZZ Top record is recorded there. I wouldn't doubt it, yeah. F- the Allman Brothers played F- there. I think Fandango. Uh, okay. And I think I played there once, too. I think later on, it was a warehouse. It's a terrible sound, right? Yeah, it was a warehouse. <laughs> you bring you, uh, bring a piece of carpet, they let you in for free. <laughs> Did you, uh, what, what about at school? Were you in the choir or the, uh, or the marching band or shit like that? You know, uh. I uh, I left high school kind of early, and I went to a um, studied theory and composition at a it's sort of like a trade a music trade school here in New Orleans, a fricky school of music, and I did that for about a year, and then I ended up in universities and uh, LSU. I did the marching band there my freshman year, 
and jazz bands in at UNO and Loyola here in New Orleans. But no, uh, but and no. then I went on to uh, finish up my jazz studies at William Patterson under Rufus Reed and a lot of great musicians, jazz musicians out in New York were, t- were teaching there at that time. But uh, I was like thinking about earlier, like grade school and that shit. Oh, grade school. Well, I remember like fourth grade, man, uh, you know, we got to skip out of class and go to music lessons and I was uh, taking drums then. The guy had us playing on metal chairs, and it was I did I didn't like it. <laughs> so I quit. It's kind of like the pots and pans. <laughs> yeah, only worse. I mean, you imagine hitting a metal folding chair with a stick. I mean, you know. Well, I asked crazy. this. I asked this kind of stuff, Chris, because a lot of schools got rid of their arts and music programs. So I'm just curious. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, at that time, we had you know people would come in, uh, and you know they would. You know, you would leave your regular class and go to your to your music uh, lessons. And I did a little bit of choir too, as I recall, in grade school. Yeah. So. What about after school about with the the basement band or the garage band, bedroom band, that with your buddies? Did you do stuff like that? Oh, absolutely, man. We started that in junior high school. Okay. And we were playing all the grand. We were playing all the grand funk songs, and. <laughs> So you learned songs uh, off records. Purple. That's what we did in the seventies. We 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 copied yeah. songs off records. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, did, yeah, yeah. You'd have to drop the needle. You couldn't uh, use your cursor. You have to drop the needle. You know. Right. <laughs> right, right. But, but, but like, there wasn't a real uh, motivation for people to write their own songs back then. Like where I grew up, like no one wrote their own songs. Yeah. I first, well, I first experienced that with the movement when I saw the punk bands up in Hollywood. They actually would write, uh, try to write their own songs. I, we had none of that growing up, me and D. Boone. Yeah. You know, um, I guess, you know, well, I, when I was 16, I was studying theory and composition. So I was writing then and, uh, you know, learned my harmony and stuff. But it was it was mostly piano based you know, uh, instrument that I used. And we never really carried all much of that stuff over into a band. But I've always had the aspiration to have my own group and have had some form of a group all through my life, many different uh, names. And uh, uh, so, yeah, I've always tried to write. That's interesting. But, you know, I remember, uh, you know, Chico Hamilton. Sure. Had some of his records. Right. He was a big influence on the Minuteman drummer, George Hurley. And there was a big contract. He tried to get songwriting credit. They, they, drummers can't write songs. <laughs> That's what they say. Uh. Yeah, is that bullshit or what? <laughs> I mean, that's freaky. Okay, the notes don't last that long. But come on, music's music. Yeah. 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 So that's a trip. Well, but but I, you, you were writing on the piano. Charlie Mingus used to write on piano, you know, even though he's a bass player. So I think... Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. So uh, you, but so, being yeah, a drummer, well, you know, I did the, I, I did the cover band thing as well. You know, I mean, here growing up in New Orleans, you know, we, I did tons of weddings and convention parties, and then it would have club gigs, and a lot of the club gigs were, you know, we'd play at that time, you know, funk music, Commodores, or you know, uh, Dirt the dirt music as they call it, you know, funky stuff. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. So, you know, and then it, of course all the traditional New Orleans music that 
you know, I've heard growing up all my life and just playing different gigs. You know, you learn all these things, learn all these tunes coming up. That's how we did it anyway. You know, I think if we would have had um, the technology today, I mean, uh, when I was a kid uh, that we have today, I, I'd probably be super famous. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> of course, of course. Yeah. <laughs> I want to play uh, March 1827 here, okay? <laughs> 
Ah, the name is Bootsy, baby. And if you love music like I love music, then you can't live without this music. And music certainly wouldn't be here without our great musicians. As people, we're not afraid of nothing. We stand toe to toe and fight. But this battle that we're facing, it's hard to know what's wrong or right.
universal health care, forgive all student loans, they do this in Europe, why not here at home? Till everything is both yours and mine. Yours,
some changes Put your names in, playing games And in the end we're only wasting our time Junko Beat with March 1827. And then we had Bootsy Collins after that. He's got some brand new thing. It's a for a charity thing. Bootsy uh, up in Cincinnati. He's not doing gigs anymore. I think he lost his hearing is problem. And then V Vale after that protest song 2020. Barry Burkle banned out Tel Aviv with Omen. Pat Ruth and Smear from the Germs. Magic Candle. Tragic Canary. <laughs> Uh, K. Salita, Bradyac, uh, Bilch Pump out of Leeds, England. Thank you very much. And finally, Just Love Me 
Junko beat? <laughs> how, how long's Junko? Well, we're hearing some hatches open and close. Oh yeah, uh, <laughs> sorry. That's okay. Okay. Chris. So, so, so we're secure. <laughs> we're secure, right? All right. <laughs> we're safe. So tell me about <laughs> Junko beat. I mean, when did that that come around? Oh, we started with the Junko Partners in New York City when I lived there in the 90s. And it was with a guitarist uh, from down here that we had a band. We played a lot of jazz gigs in New Orleans and we ran into each other in New York. Anyway, we started playing New Orleans something music because we missed New Orleans, you know, living away. And we formed a band called Junko Partners, which was kind of after the song Junko Partner. Right. Uh, you know, that's, you know, a lot of people have recorded from Dr. John to, sure, sure. to um, you know, a lot of us. But um, James Booker, <clears throat> excuse me. Uh, but, uh, you know, we were playing, uh, what, Manny's Car Wash, I think, in New York. And, and uh, the guy that booked us came back and he, he says, okay, you bunch of junkies, I want you to put on a good show. And, you know... <laughs> The Junko Partner is referring to a junkie, <laughs> if you listen to the lyrics. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so so when, I, when I got to New Orleans and I kind of reformed the band, I decided to put the connotation on the music and call it Junko Beat yeah, instead yeah. of Junko Partners. Sure. And, uh, and then we became, uh, it's primarily an original composition band. And... Uh, you know, which is difficult to do these days because most everyone wants to go and hear that familiar song played by, you know, a cover band. Uh, so we're, you know, of course, there's always the original outlet, too, but it's a lot harder to you know what's just even work worse? steady up. I think Chris is the tribute band. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's another big thing. Yeah, yeah. That's like ridiculous. <laughs> There's this yeah. club in New York City, I remember, it was by Bleaker Bobs. That, that's all they played was bands being some other band. Yeah, that's well, crazy. I was just in L.A., uh, I don't know, a few months back, and somebody took me to the Whiskey A Go-Go, and we heard a, a Guns N' Roses tribute band. That used to be a great <laughs> club, too, you know? Tons of poses, huh? That was a great club. That was the first club we played that had monitors. Oh yeah? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was. <laughs> yeah. So a little while wow, ago, they come a long little way, while ago. But but mm -hmm. I should I should have asked you, how'd you go from New Orleans to New York City? What led to that adventure? Um. Well, you know, I I'd, I'd finished school up there in New Jersey, just outside of the city at William Patterson, and and made a lot of great friends up there at a stove you know, my college buddies to today, and many of them have done very well for themselves in the music world, jazz studies. And I was always into jazz uh, here in New Orleans. And I had a eyes to go to New York and the school was uh, a way of getting an introduction to the city, which was, uh, I think, a really great way to go because I made so many friends. And uh, after graduating, I went on the road and came back to New Orleans and uh, went back to New York and went through the whole thing where I went on a 
a road gig and came home to uh, no more apartment and no more stuff. We got robbed and oh, my shit. friend didn't renew the lease. <laughs> oh, so, yeah, yeah, I came back home to New Orleans and had a panic attack about halfway back. You know, like I had to pull over and lay on the hood of the car like, God, I didn't, you know, whatever it is, <laughs> the bottom line is you left. You left, you know, after the years. <laughs> and I got back to New Orleans and played in a band, uh, started playing with a band called Tribe Nunzio. And uh, that was a very popular band here in New Orleans. And we, we did a lot of stuff. You know, about, I don't know, a month after I left New York, we were back in New York playing at Tramps with Tribe Nunzio. And I, I'm, and I was playing or, uh, keyboards and percussion with this band. And next thing you know, I'm at Tramps playing Art Neville's Hammond organ. Wow. <laughs> that, yeah. was a, that was a crazy turn of events, you know. Some of my music friends from New York were there like, what? How, how'd you end up here? <laughs> yeah, 20 seconds. But that was, a, that fun was a great, that was a good pad to play. Yeah, yeah. And uh, Tramps was a good club. Yeah, yeah. Too bad it's not there anymore. Nope. But, uh. Yeah, so anyway, I came back to New Orleans and played with them about three years, and we made a record, and personality started to boil, and I said, you know what, guys, I'm going to go to New York. I always wanted to. My, I broke up my girlfriend. I had broken up six months earlier, and I'm like, I'm out. So I made it up there and spent 10 years, 10 good years. Uh, started teaching at... Uh, Drummers Collective in New York, and uh, where I, you're going to hear some hinges again. I have to I'm running short on power, but, um, <laughs> but, but that was a treat uh, being able to teach at the Drummers Collective. And uh, I had published a book, uh, Modern Approach to Second Line New Orleans Second Line Drumming. Uh, right before I moved up there, and um, we use that book in, in, at the collective. And it's still around. We sell it online and stuff. But, you know, it was one of the first of its kind, really. What, so, we're talking about that stuff. Yeah. Like uh, introducing New York drummers to something that had been going on in New Orleans a long time, right? Yeah, and I mean, well, you know, that school was kind of international. They they kind of uh, survive and now more Japanese students. But we get a lot of Swiss and German students, you know, come to New York to study. Right. Um, so, yeah, it was a worldwide. And, you know, when I've done some tours over in Europe, I actually was able to contact some of the former students who went back home and started their own schools. And, you know, I've done some clinics and stuff for them, which was you you like know, always fun. You like teaching? Um, yeah, I don't mind it. Um, but it takes a lot out of you. And if you're trying to play a lot of gigs it's becomes you know too much i guess i mean i've taught everyone from people from uh, adults to children you know uh, one kid i taught him how to read music sight read music before he learned how to read english wow he was about four or something four or five you know <laughs> so yeah it's, I, I enjoy it there's a lot of fun you know it's like it's like mentoring people you know more so when you're teaching kids than actual, you know, they're really going to do something with it, you know, which is, you know, always you get, get joy out of that. Do but I'd much prefer to just be on the road playing gigs, man. That's the life I love. You like gigs better than teaching. Okay. That, that's kind of what yeah. I was asking. And uh, because, 
Yeah, because I can understand. You've given so much, maybe they don't want to give back. They don't want to do their homework or study or shit. Well, yeah, that's part of it sometimes. You know, you always have different levels of interest from your students. But um, I guess the word you know, is commit- I just, commitment. Yeah, yeah. But I, I get more pleasure out of playing gigs. I mean, you know, you when you're playing and you and you get in the zone, you know, whatever that is, that certain air that envelops you, that's why I keep doing it. Uh, it's, it's God, you know, coming down through you as far as I'm concerned. And uh, so I always like to practice on Sundays, kind of like going to church, you know. Sure, sure. So when you came yeah. back to New Orleans, no more teaching? Uh, no, no, I haven't in a while. You know, when I first came back from L.A., I... I did a little bit of teaching. I actually did a, a after-school program and taught a bunch of third graders how to play piano. And uh, and then I was teaching at a store. That's when I, I was teaching a little four-year-old guy to teach, to read. And uh, I had some good students there. And the store closed. And, you know, I just kind of went on and started playing more gigs. You know, before the, before the, uh, the shutdown, I was playing a lot of little gigs in New Orleans, you know, call it for the donut crowd, you know, the tourist gigs. Donut I was probably crowd. playing about, <laughs> probably about 20, 25 hours a week or something, you know, 30 hours a week behind the drums. That's, so, some, good That's some good prep. Look, <clears throat> uh, at the end of the first hour, June 17, 2020, Dishwap Pedro Show, L- Lackadack? Yes, sir. Yeah. Special guest, Chris Lackadack, cold type for hour two. June 17, 2020, it's the second hour of the Watt for Pedro show.
For Pedro Show, we start off the second hour with a Junko beat doing words. Then out of Tokyo, few with drone. Uh, Karam out of Canada with showdown in Mohenjo Daro. And finally, Nana, Junko beat. So, so what's the process, Chris, when you're composing? Like for Junko beat, like these uh, couple songs we just heard. Um, well, uh, I do compose a lot of tunes up from my drum grooves. Like I might, might make, you know, the chords and drum parts and, uh, you know, maybe put a little bass line down and things just start popping into my head. You know, one note leads to another and, you know, work on a little bit, come back the next day, turn it on, listen, uh, you know, another idea pops in your head and, I've learned to put them down as fast as you can right. um, before they go away. <laughs> right, they're gone forever. <laughs> oh, man. Well, I ask because, uh, you know, like people like Stevie Wonder and Prince and Dave Grohl, these guys who made one-man records, they, it seems they always started with the drums. Yeah. But That's then, a good point. I, I'm glad you told me that. But then, <laughs> wasn't aware. Yeah, because the conventional way is like some guy on a piano or guitar, right? And then he hands everybody a demo. Yeah, I know for sure the bass yeah. guitar, unless it's a reggae song, it's getting added on last. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, and they do that with drums too sometimes. Uh, yeah, you know, I know, I know, drums, I know. You know, put a drum track on there for me. You know, so, Which is, it's so uh, crazy. But I, I like to come from the drums up. It doesn't always happen that way. I, I play a lot more piano nowadays. And um, so sometimes I'll come up with an idea. And, uh, you know, I'm always thinking of grooves or something. So, And sometimes I'll go through, once I get the song down, I might go change the change the drum pattern or something. You know, try to find the best thing that, that really works in the song. Right. So yeah. sometimes it's laborious, I guess, you know. Um Sometimes it just flows right out. So um, it's just a matter of, I guess, you know, paying attention to uh, developing your songs. I just think, you know, as a composition tool, why not drums? Yeah. I mean, it's rhythm music, right? Yeah. Uh, it's the backbone. I mean, you know, whenever you go in the studio, I'm sure you know this as well, you know, you, you're trying to cut live tracks with a band or a trio or whatever, you know, the rhythm section. Yeah. People can make mistakes, but it's all about the drums, you know, on, the, on that tape. They can fix the, you know, redo their bass part or, or whatever, but the drums is, you know, that's the track you want to make sure is, is right before you start building on anything. Absolutely. Yeah, adding a yeah. blast is like insane. What, what what's your take on click track? Uh, turn it on and stay with it, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> I I do use click tracks on, um, when I record. Not always. Um, the song words we just heard that wasn't yeah. done with a click track. You know, okay. uh, we just that was uh, cut live. You know, some of the tunes on the record were cut live, and some of them were tracked as as uh, you might notice 
Well, what about, have you ever had the, the bird? I'm going to say burden here because to me it is a burden. Playing gigs with click tracks. Oh, it's interesting because actually with Junko B, what I, I started using uh, samplers right. and creating creating loops, and I play along with uh, loops. And I just got one of those uh, the new uh, Roland uh, sample pad. So a lot of tunes that we do are. You could call it a click track. It's not a click track. It's a it's a loop that I created in the studio. And the great thing about that is that I can trigger uh, parts that I've recorded. Like, say, if there's a cello mo- melody coming up, yeah. I can trigger that as well to back up the live player and have the sound just, you know, be huge. So it's it's a... It's interesting yeah. to work with that. You have to be careful, though. You have to stay with it. <laughs> sure, 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 sure. What, what, what about this? Uh, <laughs> what about this tune, Lotus Lotus Rising? Lotus, yeah, that's that was cut live uh, without a click, okay. and uh, it's just basically, uh, you know, it's kind of Indian mantra, yeah, kind of vibe. And um, Dave Easley played pedal steel on that. It's a great pedal steel player and great musician uh he had some kind of different kind of slide that made it sound more like a sitar which was interesting yeah yeah incredible uh, instrument yeah like 10 strings uh, and like eight pedals i mean they're really they're not like a lap steel they're incredible they're they're almost their own right no this this is a real pedal steel yeah yeah not a lap okay let's listen he's great
stuff on here is uh, probably intended to be produced or whatever, other instruments, etc. This is a song about dissatisfaction um, on, on two levels, I guess. It's about a person who's dissatisfied with the way they live in a station in life. They want to return to the class from which they came, and it's taken from the point of view of a person who is scorning that some sense. Uh, it's called The Next Room of the Dream. to me, I got eyes and I can't see, at the party hide and seek, in the moonlight dancing cheek to cheek. Your earrings went off your head and you found 
him in some stranger's bed. You took off your ring before you got too far, and he left you in the glove compartment of your car. Low money, you can be just like your daddy.
lot for Pedro show. It's got a lot of Art Deco too, you know, a roundy kind of thing. But it's got this Lotus motif all over the place in the windows, the handrails. Mm. People were talking mm. about this WPA post office we got here in Pedro. It's also got a, a, a worker mural in it. Uh, it's pretty amazing. And <laughs> there's this one painting. It's got like a, uh, a sundial where you can read the time. It's got all these angles on this rock. And it says, well, you can oh. read the time all over the world with this sundial. <laughs> well, you know, with a painting, you can do anything. Wow. Right? <laughs> People, that we just heard Joko be doing Lotus Rise and then uh, Vam with the Stellar, Estelar, brand new out of uh, Catalog. Catalonia. Peter Lochner, uh, Cleveland, uh, the room, the next room of the dream. Tripod Jimmy after that, shake your chains. Glimpse Trio, light from outside, part two. Calvin Newborn. Nah, I don't think he, he was with them then. When, <laughs> when we, he, he was with these guys, they were called Monster Cock Rally. And I remember at the gig we were doing with him, he was going, what kind of fucking name is that? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> and then we heard Oil Man. What, what, tell, tell me about Oil Man. Oh, Oil Man, that's all my first record. And uh, it's an interesting groove there. Um, it's kind of an ostinato bass line groove. That's one tune we do with it, play along with the sampler. And uh, it's, uh, it's kind of, uh, I guess, reflective of, you know, the Middle East, you know, the melody kind of refers that, and um, it's just, I was going through some stuff with some, there's a song on that record also called Chemical Report. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I got inundated with the chemicals from a oil refinery uh, close to where uh, I grew up, and around that time I was writing, and and just the whole petrochemical thing and all. So I, I don't know. I just thought that that fit. <laughs> no, right. There's some areas in Louisiana that are kind of cancer because of this stuff, right? <clears throat> oh, it's crazy down here, man. Yeah. Yeah. I'm fortunate. I'm, I'm living out in the woods now away from all that stuff. But it was it was pretty bad for a minute there, you know. They kept having chemical releases like every other week. And, of course... They weren't notifying the public. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> so, so with the sampler, when, when you play this live, you got a little unit you bring with your drum set. Um, the sampler. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I set it up on my set, and um, you know, I, I run a couple of alternative pads, and then they have ah, uh, the trigger is like a pad, right? You just hit with your triggers. Stick. Okay. Yeah, yeah, the pads are, you know, a little, little disc, little electronic disc, like a electronic kit. And then they also, <clears throat> it does um, triggers off your acoustic drums, so I can trigger sounds. And it's just a pretty amazing little thing, man. I, something I've tried to do in the past yeah. with, uh, you know, using four different components or whatever to try to accomplish this feat of getting the drums to, you know, add extra sounds to the drum hits yeah. and then Roland came out with this thing you know all in one does everything was, thank, you. <laughs> thank you so I've been having fun with that what, what, can you, what's the name of the, the device oh it's uh, I think it's called the um, SPX 90 no that's 
That's an old rumor, right? <laughs> an old delay. I'd have, I'd have to. Right, right, right. The Yamaha SPX 90s. I remember when they came out. If you want to think yeah. about new wave Duran Duran 80s sound, that's SPX 90. Yeah, SPX 90. Yeah. You know that snare drum, it, uh, that gated snare, like <clears throat> pow, pow. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Uh, okay. We were. I was with a band years ago touring in uh, British Columbia, and we got stopped on side of the road from construction. We're all waiting there. We were in the middle of nowhere, way up in the mountains. And this guy in front of us comes walking back, and he says, oh, y'all in a band? And we're like, uh, well, yeah, yeah. He says, you heard about the new SBX-90? <laughs> <laughs> we're like, what? <laughs> Oh, man. Uh, We're at the end of the second hour, June 17, 2020. <laughs> Special guest, Chris Lackanac. Cold time for hour three. <laughs> June 17, 2020. It's the third hour of the Waffle Pedro Show.
whispers as the sun falls. Here comes the edge of sight and its dark walls. Sunset creeps towards the night and the darkness can now remain. The stars are bright as ink that bleeds a stain. The light is but a ghost on this winter's day. The wonders sleep and the promises we keep while away before dawn. A new beginning when night's lid begins to slide open once more with a hopeless surprise. It's quiet. Dreams can just shatter 
about XBX 90s. Okay. Uh, yeah. Start off. <laughs> yeah. Started that off was the, the weirdest thing. <laughs> started off the third hour with uh, Junko B doing Control. And then Crane and Skip with Eve, Living More, uh, Strange Hopefuls, Linus Aquarius, Niberian Sun, Dream Phases, Confusion, uh, Babby with Bells from Paul Jacobs, and finally, Let Me Hear You Sing from Junko Beat. Uh, right now, what do you got going? Right now, uh, well, I'm been trying to, you know, do the legwork for my record coming out and we were playing starting to play out live again before the shutdown yeah but now during the shutdown man i'm you know just kind of hanging tight and uh you know working on uh trying to keep my chops up and writing some new stuff and, where, you know, where you're all at that. where you're at can you record yes i have actually um uh, someone that came to my rescue, you know, after the flood in New Orleans, it took me about 10 years before I even thought about having kind of a normal life, you know. <laughs> and uh, anyway, I moved into this place out here in the woods. This woman uh, took me in. I uh, rented a room from her. And it's a big A-frame cabin with 22-foot ceilings. Whoa. And uh, there's, a, there's a loft. And... Um, I have my studio set up in a loft now, man. It's great. You know, we recorded some of the songs here. She's uh, very accommodating to the arts. So uh, I owe a debt of gratitude to this lady, Helen, for uh, you know helping me get back on my feet. Sure, thank you. Uh, thank you, Helen. A little rough there for a while. <laughs> yeah, you know, I was reading this thing about Shakespeare, whoever wrote that fucking shit. Uh, King Lear was written during a, a lockdown. Really? You know, they had plague and shit like that, you know, 400 years ago. Yeah, yeah. I didn't realize that. Um, yeah, so, yeah, that was Shakespeare. As a matter of fact, I wrote a paper on King Lear when I was in college. Okay. So, that was written for me. Don't, don't give up your power. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> the daughters, right? You don't love me enough. Yeah, uh, yeah, they <laughs> <laughs> that is, yeah. There's some trippy shit in that one, but what? What? I, my point was like, even though it was a hell, you know, no gigs and shit. Well, I guess they were no plays, no theater, but still was productive because uh, uh, that that place timeless, right? I'm sorry. Say again. The times, uh, the the place timeless. It came out of a, a hell situation, but he 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 uh, got something uh, productive out of that. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. I mean, I, that's what I'm trying to do. I hope a lot of people that are in my situation do the same. You know, it's it's getting a little tough. You know, the isolation. It's kind of starting to wear on my brain a little bit, but um, you know. What about trading Just files? Do, bear. What about trading files, Chris? You do that? Um, no, I haven't really done a whole lot of that since since uh, since the shutdown. No, and uh, the, the whole uh, you know live broadcast thing. Stream. Uh, yeah, the streaming or whatever. I just I don't know. I, I haven't been inclined to do that. I was thinking about calling the band and trying to maybe get them over here and shoot some video or something like that. Um, 
But I'm just kind of waiting, like most people, you know, holding back to see how this thing goes. Yeah. I want to play a a Voyage to Golden Green. Oh, yeah. Rendezvous at the Cerulean Creek's crest, and a psychedelic surge of psychic. 
not-so-faint heroes, ghosts of a voluminous past, spirits weeping and billowing, full sheets spread to the wind, charting out the course of history, recording it for all things past, spreading the sheets of history to be filled with the winds of inspiration. That is what we are go forward to believe in, all of those lost souls telling, telling forward the pages of history, lest we forget that what went on before. Oh, long legends and mysterious things, the wings of history beat around my brain, reminding me of those we lost. They fought bravely for our freedom. Sing aloud the man and praise him, the soldier who died in battle. Those ghosts gave all they had, filling up our heavy history, slashing it out and making it real, something to praise for every man. Yes, the mighty winds of history were manned by these great men. Soundscape Sonata. I was telling John Cage why I oughta. Yeah, the cocktail party was a savage affection soundscape sonata. Helen John Cage. Why, I oughta. As he sized up the punch bowl and gave me a hickey, I thought about what the hell. hell to think. And when that presto moment clocked in with forbidden delight, I shotgun 433 in drunk conductor silence. And then I tipped over tipped over my drink. of Hattie Carroll was brought in to deal with the whole pretentious mess. We stopped listening to nothing and took a wild guess. Yeah, I took it for a stroll 
up the Statue of Liberty's dress then jerked off to the promised lands lose your marbles S-T-R-E-S-S yeah we jerked off to the promised lands patented lose your marbles S-T-R-E-S-S and we all know that spells party was a savage affection soundscape sonata I was telling John Cage why I oughta as he sized up the punch bowl and gave me a hickey I thought about what the hell to think and when that presto moment clocked in with forbidden delight I shotgunned 433 in drunk conductor silence and tipped over yeah tipped over my D-R-I-N-K drink mess we stopped listening to nothing and took a wild guess yeah took it for a stroll up the statue of liberty's dress then jerked off to the promised lands, lose your marbles, S-T-R-E-S-S, 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 S-T-R-E-S-S. Mm-hmm. 
Purple Heart, H-A-R-T, and uh, these girls together are just unbelievable with their vocal blending. Um, so she's doing that now. And what's her name? And, what's her uh, name again, she, Chris? Tree, Tree Swindle. Tree Swindle. T-R-E-A. Okay. Yeah. Triana, or they call her Tree for short. Okay. And, uh, but she was a kind of person that, you know, she used to read the dictionary when she was a kid, but <laughs> she, uh, she wrote the, she wrote the term, the, the poem for a voice of golden green, which really kind of launched the second side of the record, which is trying to, you know, it's like get on the, get on the ship, take the voyage to the land of, you know, Lotus rising, the new beginning. And we get to the land of milk and honey, you know? Right. So, yeah. So that was the whole concept of the side B side a is you know with the song control i believe you play that um that's my friend jane brody who is a long lost friend from my days in new york city and we reconnected and uh she came down to visit and worked on some of her music and she sang on um control and words and i really liked what she did on that and she knocked the other singers off the uh the map there <laughs> where, so where, i was happy to have her chris where can songs, uh, but, where can people find you on the internet uh well simply go to junkobeat.com okay. j-u-n-k-o-b-e-a-t.com right and uh yeah there's a sample uh i think of the song control on there which is going to be released on the streaming outlet soon but the rest of the record right now, you're going to have to go to, to the Drum Parade record site to purchase uh, the vinyl, uh-huh. CD, or download the tracks. And uh, you can get there through the Jungle Beat site. There's uh, connecting there. Or you can go straight to drumparaderecords.com. Okay, that's great. I mean, incredible journey of music. Uh, if, if you met some young drummers. What? kind of advice would you give them seeing your journey what you've been through hmm be cool that's great uh, personality has a lot to do with absolutely it, how you hang out with people absolutely uh, if you want to go on the road you're going to be living with people yep um you know you gotta be conscientious of others and uh practice you practice. know do your do your routines yeah i mean you know i i you know coming up practicing this practicing that and it wasn't until i moved to new york city when i started studying with uh, a guy named sam Yolano, who started me out reading uh um books anyway his his whole thing was uh repeat the same thing every day and then add to it so Actually, with that guy, I was I was working out about a dozen drum books, and every day when I'd sit down to practice, I'd start with the first page for the first lesson, and the second lesson was the second page, but you play the first page and the second page out of each book. Yeah. And as I went on for months and months of studying with him, man, I'm reading like, you know, 15, 20 pages out of every book, 12 books. So I don't know how many pages of rhythms those are, but... You know, it really developed my reading, and uh, it's the routine that, you know, that really helps you develop, I think, rather than just, you know, oh, I'll practice this one day and practice that another day. And 
I love the way you so say anyway. practice. You don't say rehearse. You say practice. I like yeah, that. Yeah, practice. I like that because, okay. yeah, because this rehearse, it sounds like some actor or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, I, yeah, I guess I use practice because, I mean, that, that's what you're doing. You pro, you're trying to uh, work out the physical aspects of playing to develop enough physical ability so that your mental capacity takes over and you don't even know what your body's not even really, you know, knowing what it's doing in a sense. And then hopefully from there you get to the spiritual level, which is you just sit back and watch. You know? I know. And uh, yeah, I know and, exactly uh, what you mean. So, I, I'm, I'm way into that. I I'm bet. Into that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, I do gigs and I'm like, uh, how did I do that? <laughs> I ask myself that question all the time. Man. Like, how did that come out? Uh, I don't know how that happened. Chris, you know. it's been a big so, honor to have you on the show. When you, when you after the, this guy, we get through this lockdown and all this, and you get another thing going. Will you come back on the show? And we'll play the new record and talk about it. I would love to, Mike. Okay. Yeah, means of course. A lot. Means a lot to me. Real, real pleasure to talk to you, man. You too, brother. Very much. Okay, people. It's yeah. been uh, June 17, 2020 edition of Pedro Show. Keep your powder right.